my promo. My Lock Talk Radio. <laughs> Let's get lost in a better place Pick up a bird, travel through time and space So much to learn, so much to see A chance to escape reality Open your mind and your heart Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start they never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ after my sister, Marsha Joyce. And this is going to be so hot and exciting. The author of Emergency Powers is here, James McCone, and wait till you hear about this book. What would happen if the President of the United States get killed and nobody really cares? Not even upset. That's the first sentence of my review. An ending that is startling, a plot that can be ripped from the headlines, and an agent that is relentless, hard-nosed, and she wants to take down those that are trying to do the same to her. Imogene is strong. You don't want to mess with this girl. And Amanda's her great part, and a final ending that makes you wonder if this is over or if the author's got more in store for her. Could this really happen? Think about it before a president must invoke emergency powers. Good morning, James, and welcome to MJ Network. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. I am excited. So tell us about Imogene and how you created her, and what is the faithless elector case? That was really got me. I had to look that up, which I did. Sure. Uh, so um, Emergency Powers, which actually uh, debuts today, um, mm-hmm. is a political thriller uh, about uh, stealing the presidency. Uh, when the um, when the president dies in office, and that's no spoiler, it happens on page one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> FBI agent Imogen Traeger, my uh, protagonist, uh, realizes that the uh, conspiracy she chased madly down a blind alley uh, still has life in it, and she needs to get back in the hunt. The accidental president is no accident. Uh, so you asked about Imogen herself. Um, she is a... Uh, I really like her as a character. Um, she's a, you know, she should be sort of the ultimate insider. She's an FBI agent, uh, and she works uh, in voter integrity, uh, voting integrity, excuse me, um, uh, in the Justice Department. Uh, but she's, you know, uh, most FBI agents are, you know, um, former attorneys or they were police, uh, you know, in other jurisdictions and now have joined the FBI. But she's a PhD in political science. Uh, And so her patient kind of nerdy, brainy approach uh, is looked upon as soft by a lot of her colleagues. Um, Mm. And and, uh, even though she's the one who's getting results. You you also (laughs) asked about uh, Faithless Elector. Uh, so faithless yeah, a lot of people that are reading the book might not, know, might not know what that is. Yeah, and we have listeners. Right, this right. Love. Switchwood is lighting up here. This is good. Oh, good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, faithless Elector was the title of the first book in this uh, series. 
Uh, I should, mm-hmm. before I go any further, I should say that uh, each book has been written uh, to, it could be a standalone. Um, there's no homework required. <laughs> I don't know about mm. you, but uh, I know when I'm at the bookstore and I've picked out a book and I'm, you know, I'm getting in, it's page four, page five, and I'm thinking, hey, this is pretty good. And then I realize, wait, I have to read another book first to get this one? You know, there's homework? <laughs> uh, mm. So uh, I do try to uh, explain, you know, um, some of the past cases uh, within the book so that you're not lost. But then, but anyway, briefly, um, the, uh, this all began with um, Faithless Elector, which was my first book, came out in March of 2016, and it's about stealing the presidency by manipulating the Electoral College. So mm. that uh, there, is, there has been some debate as to whether electors are uh, free actors or whether they're bound by their pledge to vote uh, for the candidate who wins the plurality in any given state. Um, we just had a recent um, Supreme Court ruling back in July mm-hmm. that says that states may make laws uh, binding electors to vote as they pledged. Um, so, but interestingly, uh, you know, that's a very narrow uh, decision. That what they've said is that the that a state may make that law, but there are 32 states that haven't made that law, and so um, you know, it's there's still potential for mischief. I'm afraid. You know what bothers me is that people vote, the popular vote, but the electoral vote elects the president, and that somehow right. doesn't seem fair. That bothers me a lot. <laughs> I mean, you've got 20 well, million people and, that and voted fact, for uh, Yeah, that's what worries me this time, too. And, in fact, the um, uh, you know when I first sort of, uh, when I was probably like 12 or 13, uh, years old, mm-hmm. and I first found out about how uh, you know how we do go about electing the president. I thought, you know, this is crazy. What? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah, it's so scary. That, uh, and how many in, people in the, are not going to vote because of the COVID? Yeah, a lot of people are not going to vote. A lot of people don't want to well, go into the voting thing. Um, I hope everyone, you know, I mean, uh, voting is a you know is a sacred. Uh, you know, right of citizenship, and I hope everyone will um, exercise it. Okay, so there's a character I like. Then you're going to know the ones I don't like. You know, you'll know. Douglas Duncan Calder helps in how their yeah. relationship and explain uh, the title emergency powers, because people don't understand that either. So tell us how okay. uh, Douglas Duncan, Duncan Calder helped and their relationship, and then we'll get to the good part, people. Trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so... Duncan um, is um, uh, Imogen's boyfriend, her lover, um, and uh, in a past life, he was also, uh, he was actually her um, graduate advisor. Um, I should say, you know, mm-hmm. that when, when they had a, uh, you know, professor-student relationship, there was no, there was no, nothing going on between them. Uh, this was, you know, the, uh, the relationship uh, happened later. Um, mm-hmm. Calder is uh, a professor, a political science professor. Uh, as I say, he was uh, Duncan's advisor. Uh, sorry, uh, Imogen's advisor, and um, he he also specializes in electoral politics. Um, mm. In the in the first book, um, it, it's it's uh, his current 
star graduate student who notices that uh, something uh, may be wrong uh, in the elect with the uh, with electors in the electoral college. Oh, this like you know this is interesting though. The president is dead. She yeah. said he had a heart attack, and nobody really cares. But she doesn't believe that at all. Right. Right. So then they have to choose a new chief of staff and press secretary. And just like if you listen to the administration today, a lot of the people, were, yeah, I, I cracked up. I go, like, a lot of the people are replaced, especially people yeah. that disagree with the person that's in charge, if you know what I mean. So uh-huh. um, why does she realize that this might be murder? And what does the new president have to say about this? I don't like him. Sorry. Right. So, um the uh what what's what becomes clear to her is that uh mm-hmm. the cons- you know the the conspirators have been trying to gain the presidency and mm-hmm. um this death in office of the current president is their uh their final gambit their uh their last step in doing just that to seize control and hold it um so that uh First, so first off the bat, uh, and fr- mm-hmm. frankly, even before um, the, uh, the the former president, the dead one, uh, is in the ground, um, the 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 new president, the accidental president, who is no accident, um, it sets about you know remaking the the administration, um, and he mm. immediately comes and he gets a new chief of staff, a new press secretary. Um, and uh, he can do that immediately because um, that's his staff. It doesn't require Senate approval. Uh, if you need a, you know, if you need a, if you want uh, somebody new in the cabinet, in Treasury, or you know, uh, find you know any of the other uh, any of the other uh, uh, cabinet um, departments, you would have that. That has to the the Senate has to approve them. But this mm. he can do on his own. So he does it, you know, immediately, um, and then he sets about um, uh, a process to replace the attorney general. Uh, mm. That does take Senate approval, um, and that give, and that actually uh, buys Imogen uh, and her colleagues uh, a little bit of time to uh, you know, piece together what what indeed is happening, um, whether they're correct. <laughs> Uh, and um, h- how are they going to stop them? It's very hard and, to oh, stop sorry. it. Earlier, sorry, earlier you had asked about uh, emergency powers. Um, yeah, so people I, don't I, understand what I, that I, means. I forgot, to, I forgot to sort of touch on that. And so emergency powers is uh, is essentially martial law, uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, president mm. uh, in time of war or you know after a terrorist attack or something like that might. Uh, invoke emergency powers um, to so that he uh, or she uh, can act quickly um, without having to you know get things approved by the Senate or or, or Congress um, that they can just sort of do things um, that you know it, it has a real and um, justifiable as uh, uh, a real and justifiable um, that's scary. Need, but but it but but uh, in this case, it will not be. Um, you know, it's not just you know they're gonna they're gonna make up 
why they need to uh, invoke emergency powers. Well, that sounds like they don't have to justify too much. Wow. <laughs> so we have a we have a character that you guys better be careful of. And the next time you get the mail, you might not want to go near the postman because he's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, I like I like my my postman calls me every day. No, I'm serious because somebody yeah. was stealing my books. Seriously, somebody oh, was stealing no. my books. Yeah, and so the postman loves me, and Mike calls me if he has too many to put in my mailbox. The UPS guy brings them up, and the USPS guy, they just drop in front of the door and pray that I don't, they don't, they, they run away afterwards because they know what's going to happen. <laughs> so the postman, what is his master plan, and who else is involved, and why is this guy so powerful? So be careful next time. Don't mess with the postman people. No, seriously. So, um uh, he actually, um, the postman is a code name, obviously, uh, uh, that, um, and he is the mastermind. He regards himself as sort of a grand chess master, um, you know, moving pieces into place. Uh, if you, uh, for the, anybody who's seen the cover, it's a, a chessboard um, with a pawn uh, with uh, a shadow uh, of the of a king piece. Um, you know, that the pawn thinks it's a king, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's also a reference back to um, the postman's, uh, you know, sense of himself as a, a grand chess master. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, don't about, give it away, you know, no. What his final aims are, but the, but the idea is, you know, um, uh, he's a, um, a wealthy industrialist who wants to be able to dictate to a president. And uh, he might actually succeed. I wonder sometimes. Oh, wait a second. My fear. I wonder sometimes how much of this is real, <laughs> and how many presidents actually <laughs> well, yeah, have there, there somebody a, that actually uh, pulls their strings. Of, uh, a number. Sorry. I know. So we have well, Frank. A number of uh, people and a number, a number of reviewers yeah. have. Uh, have sort of touched on yeah. the ripped from the headlines uh, urgency yeah, I think so. uh, of the book. And, you know, um, I don't chase headlines. <laughs> um, uh. You know, what's interesting and a little frightening, a little unnerving, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, is that, um, you know, I, uh, as I'm telling the story, as I'm creating a scenario, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, verisimilitude, about plausibility, um, you know, could this really happen? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I have to sort of, I have to see it from the bad guy's perspective. You know, what would they do? How would they go about it? Who would they involve? And um, so as I start, you know, and, that, uh, you know, it takes a year to, uh, to, to get a book uh, out mm-hmm. uh, quite often. So, you know, I can't be actually um, writing about a headline I've seen because, you know, it could be, a year later that the book comes out. Um, but instead what, 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 <laughs> what sort of dismayingly happens is that I'll, uh, I'll write something that then actually seems to uh, come to fruition. Well, presidents have been assassinated, unfortunately. So that could happen. Sorry. Most, most of the time people actually care. Some don't care. Some guys say, we'll find rid of him and get the next one. <laughs> um, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I won't yeah. say anything about the president one. I don't think he has to worry because his vice president, I'm not so sure that anybody wants him as president, that's for sure. <laughs> so you say, oh, my God. 
So we yeah. have Frank Reed. Why is he so yeah. – they can't seem to get him. They can't seem to get him. And what is his right. relationship with Nash? This is, you know, scary, people. You want to read this book right. seriously. Uh, so uh, the, obviously the, the title of the book is, is Emergency Powers, and we've talked about you know, mm-hmm. uh, what that sort of entails and why that's key to understanding the story. But um, I actually uh, toyed with the idea – of uh, and for a while, frankly, the uh, the working title was Get Read, <laughs> because he's the key to everything. He's uh, you know he's a bad guy. He uh, was the architect of um, a lot of the conspiracy, and um, uh, but now um, his bosses want him dead. Uh, so uh, the conspirators are trying to get him. And the FBI needs him because he, you know, he knows uh, he knows where all the bodies are buried, if you will. Um, so he's a he, he's a uh, uh, you know a fascinating character. And what I what I really liked about um, the mm-hmm. uh, exercise of this book was to have to you know was to really uh, uh, get into the the granular details, if you will, mm-hmm. of um, from the bad guy's perspective. Um, and you know it, it's uh, it, it it's um, upsetting to him that uh, the one person who he has to reach out to for you know to be saved uh, is probably the one person who hates him the most. <laughs> Imogen Trigg, mm-hmm. the, the FBI my protagonist, the FBI agent. Right. Well, and frankly, uh, Frank Reed uh, actually tried to kill her once. So. <laughs> There's not, there's not a lot of love lost there. No, there's not a lot of lost among many of these characters. And here's another one there's not enough, not enough lost. And it's Senator Elliott for Attorney General. How come? Yeah. And Yeah, nobody loves him either. Well, I didn't love him, but he's a good character. Yeah, I, I, you know, I probably pick it out pretty fast. I go, like, this guy, I don't, I don't trust this guy. He's up to something. So how come, yeah. how did you create this guy? You know, I, uh, I was looking for um, uh, the kind of person who, um, you know, is purely transactional. Um, you mm-hmm. know, how does this benefit me? Um, and uh, who actually doesn't care at all uh, about uh, yeah. the interests of the nation. Um, that's who this guy is. He's, you know, he, uh, like, like the postman, um, like some of the other characters, he's interested in raw power uh, for its own sake. Um, and uh, he hitches his star to the, uh, to, you know, the postman's wagon, uh, his conspiracy wagon, mm-hmm. to, um, to bring all this about. Um, so uh, he, he, he's a senator, uh, and he was the... Um, uh, ranking member on the uh, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, which makes him, um, uh, at least on paper, seem like a good uh, person to become an attorney general. Um, mm. In the book, uh, I make him uh, that, that he actually had been uh, attorney general uh, of his own state, South Carolina, excuse me, uh, before he was, before he became, sen- before he became a senator. So again, you know, on paper, that, that looks like a, a, a really, you know, a, a mm. good move. 
But the fact is, um, uh, he he will be one of the other linchpins of uh, the conspiracy. Yeah, I know. It's scary. So now, yeah. Imogene, she's yeah. an FBI sergeant, and what does she? How does she realize that the election process has been tampered with? And what are what is PACS? P A C S. Okay. And I told you I read the uh, book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Imogen is, you know, uh, is a fantastic, you know, is a, a fantastic character. Um, I, the the novelist Graham Greene uh, once said something like, uh, "Whenever you get a uh, a character, whenever a character sort of uh, stands up and you know and starts to speak on its own, the the best thing a writer can do is just sort of get out of the way and you know." Report, <laughs> uh, mm. and Imogen is is like that. Um, you know, she's uh, I I saw her, um, you know, as a very real person. Um, you know, she's mm. she's conflicted. She's um, uh, you know she's she's brainy and smart, nerdy even, uh, but also tough, um, and she's tenacious. Uh, she's animated by, uh, you know, by a sense of justice, and it, you know, it's no um, uh, accident that she gravitated to, toward work at the Justice Department. Um, so, uh, she's also something of a Cassandra figure uh, from uh, from Greek mythology, mm-hmm. where uh, you know she's she's often um, speaking truth to people who won't hear her. Uh, or you know won't understand, won't believe her, um, so that uh, her experience uh, throughout the the other two books uh, has led her uh, and her colleague um, Amanda Vega, uh, special agent in charge Amanda Vega, mm-hmm. to uh, to realize that even though this looks like uh, you know they've, they've gone to great lengths to make sure that it looks like the president died of natural causes, that this is mm. not. Um, this is not just a um, uh, you know a tragic a, a tragic random event. It's a murder. Uh, you'd also you'd asked about um, uh, PACs, PAC. Yeah. Uh, uh, those are political action committees. Uh-huh. And I, I wanted to uh, you know one of the I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, but one of the things about uh, all of these books, uh, and this one in particular, is that uh, that I think surprises people is that it's not about one particular party necessarily being you know the bad guys. That that, that this conspiracy is happening outside of the party organization and the party structure. Um, it's true that you know one party is, you know it's sort of parasitic. The conspiracy is parasitic on one particular uh, political party. Uh, but it's not the party that's that's running this. Um, but they are so. As I say, the um, the conspiracy is sort of parasitic on the political uh, on the uh, political party. They use political action committees to uh, mm. funnel money, uh, dark money, uh, to their operatives. Mm. And um, the more research I did, the more I sort of realized like how sort of uh, unregulated. Uh, this kind of money is. 
And so I have uh, Imogen and uh, her uh, her other assistant, uh, Nettie Sartain, FBI agent Nettie Sartain, uh, really go deep into this and, uh, you know, for clues. It's scary, I know. And there are some he- yeah. heavy politicians that are rich that are giving uh, money to um, either side right now as we uh-huh. speak. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so but, we and, and tell the, us... The, it's scary. Go ahead. It's scary. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if the public actually comprehends what's really going on. It's scary. Well, I, so you this, know, I think that um, I think that uh, at, at a at a you know uh, um, at a basic level, um, yeah, people do get uh, people do understand um, you know what's going on. I hope so. Now we've got another yeah. character. We've got Muir. How does he fit in with Vega and Imogene? Then we're going to get to something that frightened me as I read about it, and I'm going like, oh, my God. Because if you've ever taken a private plane like I did for whatever reason, yeah. this scared me, let me tell you, seriously. Oh. <laughs> I'll explain that uh, after. Who is Muir, and how does he fit in? Yeah, Muir, yeah. Bob Moore uh, is, is the accidental president. Uh, he is the, uh, uh, he's the pawn uh, who thinks he's a king, um, and uh, he has been um, part of this conspiracy from the very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I and uh, very you know uh, I forget I think it's chapter eight uh, where it, it becomes clear to him <laughs> that he's not in mm. charge. You know he's trying to give orders and they're saying well you know. Uh, he, you know, he says, I told you to do this, that, and the other thing. And they go, well, sir, the order had already been given. He's like, I'm the president. What do you mean the order had already been given? Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's a bit of a shock to him. He thought he could become, uh, you know, you know, it, it's that it's the old thing that uh, if you, um, uh, when you uh, usurp or uh, undermine um, mm. The uh, the norms and laws uh, of the land, uh, you know, for your own gain, it's going to be hard to get people to to actually respect. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to try to, you know, in his uh, you know in his case, uh, he thinks now he'll be president. Well, the people who got him there don't look at him that way. So uh, mm. he's a very he's a very conflicted character. You know, he he um, he's sort of uh, between a rock and a hard place, if you will. He's not, uh, uh, you know, he's only nominally in charge, um, but he can't um, he can't rebel because to rebel uh, would mean that he would have to admit that he knew what was going on. Well, this this part scared me. When my mom was very sick, I had to take a Learjet to California. Uh huh. And the the steering wheel broke, so we had a crash land in Birmingham, oh Alabama. God. Yeah, this oh is fun. God. Let me tell you, this is really fun. And the guy that owned the Beechcraft, I said to the guy, "I can't believe that that this happened." And thank God we were all okay. My mom had yeah. Alzheimer's, so she, but she wasn't that sick. She had to go for a major heart operation at the University of California in San Diego. So uh-huh. I know that there are flight rules. But the pilots yeah. of virtual flight 
did not follow the rules. And they were able to fly, like these people, seriously. Um, I won't say what, what um, this is Flint Rock Airlines. I won't tell you right. which one I went on. But all I know is $12,950, <laughs> and my brother paid it. And then I called him when we landed, and I said, stop the check, which he did. And wow. legally, even though they can fly wherever they want, seriously, it doesn't yeah. matter. If you get where you're going, even if you pay them, you have to pay them something. Yeah. It's supposedly a law, which yeah. I did look up. So you wound up having to pay them 9500 But it's it's scary. And the president of Beechcraft Airlines came out, and they looked at him, and I said, whose plane is that? He said, it's mine. I'm the president. I said, no, no, it's mine. And it was. It was mine after yeah. that. Oh, seriously. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe I did that. It's scary. So flight, virtual flight rules, what is that? And how come they could fly wherever they want? And they didn't even know how they, how did they receive the orders? Because they don't know who really gave it to them. They just didn't question anything. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, so um, it, uh, it's actually uh, visual flight rules. Um, this was mm-hmm. one of the things that yeah. I had to, you know, when you're, when you're writing a, when you're writing a novel, uh, You'll, you know, uh, earlier I was talking about uh, plausibility and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that, like, well, yeah, this could really happen. Um, what a, you know, uh, so like, so I, I kind of had to think like the bad guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, the idea is that you, that uh, the smaller the group, the better, right? I mean, uh, we all know that if, if, you know, two people can keep a secret, Right, but if suddenly you've got ten. Right, I mean, just think about trying to uh, keep uh, keep a surprise birthday party uh, secret. Right, um, if you've got a couple of people, no problem. Right, but ten, twenty, somebody's going to talk. Right, or or let you know let the cat out of the bag mm-hmm. in some stupid way. Uh, so the conspiracy is actually uh, the, the the people who actually know what's going on uh, is a very very small number of people. Um, and there, and that they use a very small number of operatives, but America uh, is a large country geographically, uh, and um, you know mm. how do you get them from place to place? These operatives to do what they need to do, the, mm. the bad things they need to do, um, and so uh, I thought of this uh, fictional Flintlock Airlines that um, is a courier service for a, uh, a larger company, for the Flintlock company. Mm. Uh, and then what they do, uh, you know, and this, is a, this, whole, this part of it is just is their, their legitimate thing, is that they, you know, they fly, uh, whether it's uh, cargo for the company or uh, executives or what have you, um, they, you know, they, they can travel pretty much anywhere they want to go. Um, but uh, what the conspirators did was to uh, hire two new pilots who would do the legitimate work, but every so often they would get uh, they would get a call to pick mm. up uh, operatives somewhere and take them uh, where they needed to go to do what they needed to do. Um, so, but you need to keep that. But uh, again, um, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of record keeping involved in aviation. Um, mm. And uh, my brother, so as part of my research, um, this time I didn't have to read it in a book. My brother is a, a commercial airline pilot and my uncle mm. uh, is well, or he's retired now, but 
so I uh, I would pump them for information. <laughs> I was calling them all the time. But um, when a uh, so when a flight, um, you know, takes off from one point going to another, the pilot files a flight plan with the FAA. Um, now in flight, they you know if they suddenly realize they have to go somewhere else or uh, you know there's bad mm-hmm. weather and they're going to have to land in a different place, uh, then they would call. Uh, and they would uh, say that they were diverting, and they would say where they were diverting to. Um, in in many cases, you're able to, in a small plane, um, you're able to, uh, you could call in and say that you're diverting, and then say that you're going with visual flight rules, VFR, meaning um, that uh, you're probably, you're flying below the radar, Um and in that, and so the uh, the conspirators use uh, the VFR to um, to mask what they're doing. This is this is this is scary, because you know, like when the plane went down, I was like, "Are you finding another place to go?" And yeah. it happened. It happened <laughs> twice. We had to go to two different. Because it's a Learjet, they have to stop at different yeah. places because they have to guess up. That's always fun, let me tell you. And besides yeah. the fact that there was no there was no food, water, or bathroom on the plane. Oh, well, you know it's so, it's interesting. So uh, you know, I didn't back know that. Original originally, I I was going to make them all Learjets that they were flying around. And in as I talked with my uncle and my brother, both pilots. Uh, they were like, uh, you know, these small airports, a, a Learjet literally couldn't land. Or they say, or actually it could land, but it couldn't take off again because mm-hmm. <laughs> the runway Yeah, they short. had no no food or water or bathroom, and they had to go to the bathroom. So I won't tell you. And there's no there's no walls, there's nothing. This was, It was interesting. Yeah. Of course, my, having being resourceful and having creative mind was really great, but, you know, what can I say? And there were three guys and me. That was interesting, too. Wow. <laughs> That's, so, yeah. Yeah, read is the key, and you you have a reporter that I love. I love a reporter uh-huh. that goes after what they want and doesn't care how they go about it, getting it. So you, Salta, yeah. is a reporter that seems to have the ability to communicate with Reed, and he wants yes. to speak with Imogene. So what, is it normal for a reporter, I imagine today, who knows, to help take down a criminal? That was really cool. That, that's, a, that's a great question, and um, oh, I, good. <laughs> I worried about that. I uh, I worried about that a little bit uh, as I was I loved you know, it. putting. Oh, but um, uh, and I ran it by a few people uh, who you know uh, friends of mine who are journalists or retired journalists uh, to say you know uh, you know could this happen and they said you know and they were mm-hmm. they said well it, it's unusual but you know given the scenario and given what's happened no you know th- this definitely could happen so that the the reporter you're talking about is named Hugh Salter. And he is um, uh, uh, in the the prior book, Dark Network. Uh, Frank Reed had used him um, uh, to basically uh, disseminate false information, fake news, if you will. Um, I don't call it that, but <clears throat> um, to so that um, Reed is his source on, you know, political mm-hmm. dynamite uh, information. Um, 
Salter realizes that he's been um, played for a fool, and uh, yeah. he really, you know, and he would, and and he's sort of searching for a way to, um, uh, you know, get some get some of his status back, get get you know, uh, redeem himself, frankly, and um, so when Reed realizes he needs help and he needs to uh, reach out to uh, Traeger, um, he actually, rather than contact Traeger directly, which uh, might alert the conspirators as to where he was, he uses mm. Salter as, as an intermediary. And Salter, no, you know, I... again, as you point out, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not uh, normal for a, 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 a reporter, a, a to, reporter that, yeah. to act this way, but he sees this as an opportunity to redeem himself, and so he jumps at it. Well, I have a high compliment for you here. Cheryl's listening no? from Partners in Crime, and she said, would you please send her a copy of the book so she could read it and review it? <laughs> I, I will be I pleased just... to do so. I'm just telling you, there's a few getting very popular here. I can't believe it. And I do believe it. Oh, what lovely. Can I say? oh, by the way, also, Amazon must have loved me because your five stars were posted right at the Ooh. beginning of the show. That's the first. Fantastic. I mean, they post them usually within a half, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but I, I posted it and then they loved it. And it's there. I'm impressed Great. today. So. Thank you very yeah. much. I really, I, I read your review. Uh, I saw it uh, earlier this morning. Oh, and, good. Uh, I, uh, it was very kind. Thank you. Oh, good, because I just want to make sure that I did it right. My my computer has a habit sometimes of not always fixing when I tell it to fix, and yeah. some people get annoyed. But you know what? We, people I think make we mistakes all have that with it. I, I, I don't I don't seem worried about that. But you know what? It's, uh, somebody said that to me. You have like one typo, and it's very upsetting. I said that's even better because I'll delete the review, and then you won't have any typos. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I would fix it anyway. So uh-huh. tell us why Dunk. Goes rogue, and who who was Matthew that set him off in the wrong direction? See, this is a book you got to read. This people, as a matter of fact, um, somebody just texted me and said, "I want the, want your copy." I said, "Get your own." <laughs> no, so it's available wherever uh, books are sold. So, yeah, um, exactly. And it came out today, so uh, it, it should be. Um, uh, yeah, it's available everywhere. Amazon um, is great because they'll, they'll send it to you tomorrow, people. So who is yeah. Matthew? What set him at the wrong di- in the wrong direction? And was he alone in this, this guy? I don't trust him. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, actually, um, uh, so uh, in the uh, the first book, uh, Faithless Elector, it was Matthew uh, mm-hmm. who was uh, Duncan Calder's um, star graduate student who tumbled to the... Um, uh, to the conspiracy um, and uh, first sort of glimpsed what was going on and Matthew, uh, sorry, and then Duncan took it on from there. The um, One of the things, uh, I don't go into it uh, uh, very deeply, but that uh, Duncan feel, and I don't want to give any spoilers for some of the, uh, for the other book, but that Duncan feels deeply, yeah. deeply guilty uh, about uh, what happened uh, with Matthew and with um, uh, and the Faithless Elector plot, and um, he's uh, Duncan is sort of is wounded emotionally, but he's also uh, wounded, you know, 
physically. Uh, he, you know, he was shot. Uh, he almost died on the operating table. Um, and uh, it's left him uh, scarred, you know, physically and mentally. Uh, and mm. that, um, so, uh, as you say, you know, toward the end, he goes rogue. Uh, I won't go into too much more there because, again, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, you want to tell you. Yeah. I think it's, a, um, I think it's a, a crucial kind of point. But, but okay, so I guy, have. But Matthew is a good guy. This is interesting. And, you have a character that I love. Uh-huh. And I really wish that she would teach me how to do what she does. Nettie. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, my God. I do research, and I just love this. I love her. Oh, my God. How does she, what do we realize? Her research skills are outrageous. Uh-huh. Um, even better than imaging. And I'm saying, I wish I could take a lesson from her and how to find out information <laughs> about stuff that I really am trying to find out about. This This girl is outrageous. How did you create her? And the places that she looked, are they real or did you create those too? Because I was like, I, want, I, I was going to take, I took notes to see where she was uh-huh. looking for things. Well, I, so uh, whenever I give a name to something, it's fictional because, you know, I'd rather not get sued. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, you know, uh, the kinds of things she's looking into are, are, are indeed real. Um, Nettie was a, uh, was a great character to write. Um, I wanted um, I wanted there to be some tension, excuse me, some tension mm-hmm. early on uh, between uh, she and Imogen, and um, you know when the book begins, uh, even though Imogen realizes that the accidental president is no accident, uh, you know it's going to you know um, she's been um, you know pushed to the sides of the investigation. Um, she basically got a sideways promotion. <laughs> uh, mm. they, 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 you know, she, uh, she's not even uh, an active investigator anymore. She has to, you know, get herself back in, uh, back into the hunt. Um, and so she's in charge of a research group. Um, and uh, Agent Nettie Sartain, the character we're talking about, uh, gets assigned to her. And right from the beginning, Nettie's like, this is a dead-end uh, assignment you know, this is going to be terrible for my career. I got to get out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. She spends like the first couple of weeks uh, taking meetings and lunches with anybody who could get her reassigned uh, to try to get off this crazy, stupid detail uh, as she sees it in the beginning. Um, but that over time, uh, she and Nettie uh, develop a friendship. Um, we have to bring her back because I really like her. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's I, one I, of I my favorite characters. Besides, oh. I could learn a lot from her. I seriously can. So, <laughs> this is the really scary part, people. No, seriously. What would happen? I'm not going to tell them what the plan is, because that would give it yeah. away. What would happen if what they wanted to do really happened? And what would happen to the presidency if what they happened really happened? Without telling well, them what so happened. That- yeah, that, I mean that. Uh, yeah, again, without spoilers, the um, you know the the whole idea is that um, it would you know I mean it, uh, the conspiracy uh, intends to uh, you know fully undermine democracy. That um, yeah, you know, the uh, the postman is gonna you know basically just put in whatever. Uh, 
person who will work for him uh, he wants, you know, that he'll dictate uh, policy um, <clears throat> and that, uh, you know, we will be a democracy in name only. That's scary. It's yeah, scary even it today. Sometimes I wonder, you know, <laughs> the, we could only, we only have so much of a say and that's it. Now, a character yeah. that I grew to, that I like, and I don't know if you're going to bring this guy back, David Carr. Why did they trust yeah. him to foil the plan? And how did you create the final scenes? Let me tell you something. If you want heart palpitations, just read this book, seriously. But make sure you do it after you have seven cups of coffee and just relax. It's, it's, it's seriously, it's good. <laughs> it's my well, sense of you, I, I hope it would be. Um, so uh, David Carr uh, is actually um, um, is actually one of the good guys um, that uh, he made a name for himself. Uh, he was a congressman. Uh, he made a name for himself um, by standing up uh, uh, for you know what was right uh, in the you know uh, in Congress. And so mm -hmm. even though he's quite young and he's just a congressman, he's a congressman from Pennsylvania, um, my home state, um, <laughs> he, uh, when, the, um, when the vice president becomes president, now he needs a new VP. Uh, and so even though uh, Carr is not part of the conspiracy, they feel like he would be really good um, uh, window dressing for, you know, cover up, you know, what, what's really going on behind the scenes if they make this, you know, this guy who's regarded as uh, something of a hero uh, their uh, VP. And so, uh, like I think a lot of people, uh, certainly a lot of politicians, uh, when offered the job, he says, yes, um, and then he begins to realize that something else is going on too. And this is this is exciting. Let me tell you, I just put a note on my Facebook wall and told everybody to buy the book. <laughs> Thank you. Because seriously, you know, you know what's really funny is that I posted your review and about ten people read it right after I wrote it. Oh. Not even. Not even, It's scary. Sometimes I just like what. And people are reposting. People are reposting this 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 uh, whole thing on my Facebook wall, and I got some pretty important people that are doing it. I really think that more people oh, should do it because I because I said so. So, this killer is very scary. So why does he want to get rid of Imogene? Well, that's probably because he doesn't want her to find out who he is. But that's beside the point. So why is he after Imogene? I mean, she's tough. I don't think very yeah. many people would want to come up against her. I mean, you created somebody that you can have a lot of respect for or be afraid of and not want to be around, but she's really good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, she she was a great character to write. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, very multidimensional and so on. But, uh, and that, um, you know, as, uh, as a, uh, how do I put this? The, um, you know, the, the postman sees himself as, you know, this big sort of uh, yeah. institutional, you know, bureaucratic kind of power. Um, and yet, uh, you know, there's this one woman, <laughs> Imogen Traeger, who keeps tripping him up. And, um, you know, it becomes personal for him, you know, that uh, he wants her dead. 
that, you know, and, obviously there are other FBI agents in the world, but, yeah. um, you know, this one, this one is just, you know, uh, like a, like a, uh, a pug terrier or, you know, some kind of, you know, dog. She's, I don't mean to call her a dog, but, you know, she's locked on and she's not, and she's not going to let go. Well, I have the book in front of me, people. And I'm going to read the last sentence afterwards because I don't think it will give away anything. So what makes her question everything? She begins to wonder, is this really what I want to do? Is this right Right. for me? Well, Imogene, Uh too bad it is right for you. I said so. Um, Sometimes you do. I I taught for 36 years. I think I questioned myself the first month. And then I said, this is exactly the best thing I could have ever done. I loved every minute of it as an educator, uh-huh. but what would make an FBI agent question whether this is something that I want to keep, risk my life to do? Why, why would she well, not right. want to and do that, it, or why would she change her mind? So, uh, you know, the, this, uh, this is a story of um, courage, uh, uh, adversity, and, um, uh, you know, significant, you know and, and deep, deep mm-hmm. personal loss. Uh, on behalf of Imogen, mm-hmm. um, you know, and her, you know, and, and redeeming uh, that, but uh, you know, she was uh, again, you know, she's a fantastic character, um, and that you know, she was so fixated on stopping the um, the, the conspiracy that um, you know, when it's done, uh, and she sees the personal cost to her. Uh, she's really kind of shocked and uh, disturbed, you know, profoundly, uh, you know, what the, you know, what this cost, you know, what it has cost her to, to, um, to achieve, you know, to, to achieve what she has. I'm I'm sorry. I I didn't give a very good answer there. I'm I'm trying not to, (laughs) not to give away the ending. I'm trying to talk around it, but. (laughs) We can't, we can't give away the ending and we can't tell, but. (laughs) Where do you? This is so good. This book. I mean, really. Um, Thank you. I actually Thanks. read it. I actually, to make sure that I got the questions right, I had to read it. I read it twice. Seriously, um, that's the problem. Because when a friend reads something twice, she gets eye strain. But we didn't care because this was really good. And the good part was, I got it a long time ago, so that I was able to sit down and read it and not have to say, "Oh my God, the reviews tomorrow." That happens. That's happened. So sure, I finished sure. one. I finished one that's due for October 31st, but before I forget, let me not forget, Monday, Dear Derwood, Jeff Bond, Wednesday, Circle of the Dead Girls, on the 13th, Ooh. a new publicist that found me were Hunting Men, on the 15th, Charles Salzburg, Tim O'Mara, and Moss Clavin, Third Degree. you got to read those stories because they'll scare the daylights out of you. On the oh, 20th, some... Someone that I love and adore, Vincent Zandri, the girl who's not mm-hmm. there. And on the 22nd, Murder Forgotten. And on the 26th and 28th, something very different. Because of what's going on with COVID, I asked Pastor Michael uh, Jones, Michael and I are going to talk about, this is so totally out of my comfort zone, but I'm doing it anyway because I learned a lot, uh-huh. the seven habits of highly effective Christians, but how it applies to your life and how you get along better with people. And on the 29th, Michael and Rachel will be here. Those are the people that did the promo for my show. Trinity House Entertainment, Inc. is going to be there. We're going to talk about their new song, which is phenomenal, 
of Why Do We uh-huh. Wait? And their favorite song, United We Stand. And we're going to talk about, you know, how we can get along better with people in the world. And they're, they're, they're fantastic. And ever so often, I like to do something different. And for those of you that are dealing with the pandemic but are having problems, like everyone else, on November yeah. 30th, Dennis Palumbo, psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo, and I will be talking about fear and isolation, stress and anxiety due to COVID-19. I do that. Wow. It's fun. Well, I, you, you sound busy, and I'm, it sounds like I'm going to be listening to a lot of your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I just booked the, the uh, book one for January. I only have two more dates left, people. I just booked one for the 18th and the 11th. And we're going to start the new year ah. off with none other than Dick Belsky, John Land, and Charles oh, really? Goldberg. Uh-huh. If you want to join us, oh. we're going to have some fun. It's going to be a panel on uh, how does the publishing industry change for the positive and negative in the new year and whatever else comes up, because I just sit back and listen. I don't have to say too much. It's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. It's well, a lot of fun. Yeah, you, it, it'll be hard to get a word in edgewise. You know, it, it's interesting That's you it. mentioned Dick. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned yeah. Dick Belsky. Um, I did that on be, purpose. Uh, he'll, he'll also be interviewing me uh, later tonight uh, at 6.30 for the, uh, the launch party at um, Shakespeare & Co. Um, in New York and in Philadelphia. It's one of the uh, virtues of being virtual. Oh, nice. <laughs> I can be in two places at once. Are you going to do it on Zoom? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. That's, I tried that once, and I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's much better this way. I don't have to wear a mask, and hair and makeup are fine. I did my lipstick and everything, but still. Uh, I'm sure. this way. <laughs> so where do, you, where do you see her next, and how will she operate? And you have to bring, so and who are you bringing a, back um, in the next one? You have to bring them all back, I, not the dead people. I'm actually, uh, I, I'm actually, um, uh, I'm gonna, um, I'm going to send her away, um, and she's oh, nice. going to, uh, she's going to take a sabbatical. Uh, oh. I'm sending her to Scotland, um, where uh, even though she's trying to sort of hide and you know um, rejuvenate herself. Um, trouble mm. finds her. <laughs> that that is good. And before we end, we have about four minutes. Where can everybody learn more about you and your work? And I know that you had to do some research to, to write this novel because it didn't just come out of the air. No, no. Uh, it, it did. Uh, you can. Uh, my website, my author website, mm-hmm. is my name, James dot com, and that's. James M C C R O N E dot com, uh, and that has links to you know um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, my blog, uh, and links to uh, where you can buy the book. There's even a link to uh, where people could sign up for the uh, book launch tonight. Um, and I'll be doing a reading uh, on the 13th mm. with Mystery Writers of America. That's at six o'clock on uh, October th- Tuesday, October. Th- 13th, um, and I'll be actually reading from the book. So if people, if, if after your uh, this extraordinary interview, <laughs> if people are mm-hmm. still not quite sure, they can at least listen to you know some part of the book and say, oh yeah, now I want it. <laughs> yeah, that that is, that is fantastic. Dick is great. Dick has been on my on my broadcast quite a bit, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, he's got a new one coming out in May, and everybody May 4th be there because that show's already taken care of. I got that. I'm sure it is. 
That's the yeah. first the first interview for the book. I try, you know, what can I say? And I'm about to announce that John Land has taken over the Capitol murders, the Margaret Truman murders. And um wow. this is this this is really a high compliment for me. I can't believe they did this. I emailed the publicist and they said that they only had PDF and she sent me PDF and I said, I can't do that. They actually gave me permission to print it out. And I don't normally do that. Oh, really? For him, I did. Yeah, but there's another, uh, Dave, uh, Philip Margolin and I, he's great. And he emailed me and said, I have a new book coming out. The publicist said, we don't have anything a PDF. She's printing it out to send me. See? Lovely. It helps. I, I think that's great because <laughs> I can't yeah. read on my computer. But this, this is no, biting my I, day, I really, let me tell I, you. I, and anytime I agree. you want I mean, to join a panel. If I have to, I will. But uh, if I don't have to, I mean, I, 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 I really, um, you know, Kindle is nice, but I'm, I, I think I'm old enough now, or I'm, I'm old enough that <laughs> I, I really like to feel <laughs> a book in my hands. Well, it's it. This has been difficult. It's difficult the whole time for everybody. On December eighth, I have a panel. We're going to talk about writing in timelines, and uh-huh. on um the on December sixteenth. Uh, Dick and and me, Gold, me Matthew Goldberg and a whole bunch of other people. We're going to talk about what happens when you write and John Land and ancestors, ancestors in your work. So he he wrote the ancestor Lee Matthew Goldberg. It's fantastic. I loved it. John writes with uh-huh. ancestors of of Caitlin Strong. Um, John Delano writes what about Cesar Chavez, and um, it, it it should be interesting. I hope. Yeah. I want to thank you a million times and. Um, if you ever want to be on one of my crazy panels, I'm going to probably do a few more in September, not in um, January, February. You never know what I'm going to do. But I want to thank okay. you so much. It's 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 well, you're you're in the city also, like me. No, you're not in the city. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia. In the, yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not that's where my brother works somewhere out there doing something that I don't know about. <laughs> okay. But anyway, thank you so much. This has been fun. Everybody have a great day. Really Go have. to Amazon. And, you know, Hanukkah and Christmas are coming, and my favorite present is to send somebody a half a dozen books. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the greatest present in the world, that and a, and a gift card so I can buy what I want. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, James. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.